Let us pray. Lord, you have said that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Lord, now as we open the book, speak to us afresh. Feed our hungry hearts. Lead us to a place of safety and peace by your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Reading from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, beginning at verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. And when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. And when they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, the feeding of the 5,000 is the only uh, miracle of Christ that made it into all four Gospels. So apparently... That day met, uh, or, uh, made a great impression upon uh, everybody so that no one could forget it. According to the Gospel of Mark, Jesus and his disciples were looking for some, you know, looking for some rest and relaxation, looking forward to that time together. The Twelve had returned from their first mission trip, and they reported to Jesus, and they were all exhausted by all the constant coming and going of people, and so Jesus says, come with me by yourselves. Come to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves, by boat, 
to a remote place along the, the seashore, the Sea of Galilee. And no sooner did they step out of the boat, but they were greeted by a large crowd of people hoping to see Jesus perform yet another miracle. Now, honestly, how thrilled would you be to be going on vacation and to find a large crowd waiting for you in your, again, in your favorite vacation spot, looking for you to perform? Makes me think of one of my favorite movies, What About Bob? Busy psychiatrist by the name of Richard Dreyfus, or it was played by Richard Dreyfus, joyfully arrives at his vacation spot, and uh, man, he was looking forward to a whole week of being at his at his uh, lakeside home, only to find one of his patients, who is nuttier than a fruitcake, played by Bill Murray, finds him at his door, his vacation home. And the psychiatrist, of course, resents the intrusion of this uh, patient of his on his vacation, and he becomes increasingly frustrated when Bob will not leave him alone. But Bob will not be put off, and he endears himself to the psychiatrist's family and practically moves in, driving the psychiatrist absolutely crazy, ruining his vacation and his life. And in utter frustration, the the psychiatrist takes Bob sailing since he can't get rid of him. And if you have seen the movie, this is my favorite scene. You'll never forget Bob, who is lashed to the mast, right? (laughs) Thinking that he has had a mental breakthrough, shouting out with glee, I sail! I'm a sailor! I'm sailing! Classic. By the end of the movie, it's the psychiatrist who needs therapy, and it's Bob who ends up looking very sane. (laughs) So, So what about all these people on the seashore? We might think that Jesus or the disciples would greatly resent this intrusion upon their quiet vacation. After all, they had earned it. But Jesus' attitude towards the crowd is interesting because it tells us something about his character. He expresses not frustration or impatience, but compassion. As Mark puts it, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. As someone has noted, perhaps Jesus' good humor at that moment was even more of a miracle than the feeding of the 5,000 because he had every right to rest. But Jesus was always thinking of others. Now, what's interesting to note is that Jesus' compassion for others is seen in counterpoint to King Herod Antipas. Now, let me explain. Uh, It's interesting to me how you can read through the Gospels year after year after year and yet still pick up new things and and new thoughts. And uh, so this has come to me, a a counterpoint between Jesus' compassion and Herod Antipas, who was anything but compassionate. Herod Antipas, this is not the Herod at the time of Jesus' birth, but it's another Herod. Herod Antipas was king. But he had illegally married his brother's wife, Herodias, only to be rebuked by John the Baptist in no uncertain terms. 
So Herodias absolutely hated John the Baptist for speaking out about this arrangement. Herod had uh, both feared and respected John to this point. So we didn't read it, but just in the scene right before this passage that I just read, in the same chapter, chapter 6, Mark gives an account of Herod's decadent, over-the-top, orgy-like banquet to which all the important people of the realm were invited. And Herod, who doubtless had too much to drink, was so pleased by the dancing of his illicit wife's daughter that he makes an oath to the young dancer, making a vow that he would give her whatever she wanted, up to half his kingdom. At Herodias' urging, the girl asked for the head of John the Baptist. And, uh, and the deed was done, and you don't have to go into greater detail than that, but, you know, John the Baptist's head came in on a platter. That's enough, I guess. So here is King Herod, thinking only of himself, making rash vows, throwing a lavish party to impress people, stroking his ego, seeking to save face. And then in the very next scene, there's another kind of king, King Jesus, who thinks nothing of himself, organizing a banquet to serve others and meet real needs. Never really picked this up before, but there are two banquets in this chapter, one after the other, the banquet of Herod, the banquet of Jesus, a banquet of self-importance and a, ba- and, and a banquet of love, compassion towards others. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Now, this phrase, sheep without a shepherd, is a significant one. Actually, as it's used in the Bible, it doesn't have so much a pastoral connotation of the, the shepherd who leads the sheep to green pastures and, you know, so on. It's not so much that. But, but in that day, to, be, uh, that kind of, to say a sheep, uh, sheep without a shepherd is a reference, really, to the fact that these people were leaderless. They needed a political leader, a military leader, who would save uh, the people from their enemies. And, in fact, some people in the crowd thought that Jesus was just that kind of a guy, that he would be that, that shepherd who would lead the people, rally them against their enemies, throw off the yoke of Roman oppression. So they wanted to make Jesus king, many of them. But Jesus said that he had not come to, uh, to get involved in a political revolution, but his was a spiritual revolution. He came not just to fill uh, empty stomachs, but to fill hungry hearts. So Jesus offers the bread of life to those who are spiritually hungry. He offers the bread of God's word to those who are lost and lack wisdom. He offers gifts of his own presence and love, bringing true satisfaction and fulfillment. And he does so, so abundantly. Jesus says in the Gospel of John, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So when it comes to Jesus, when he leads us, when we allow him to lead, to be the good shepherd over our lives, the banqueting table of life is full, and our cup runs over. It's a feast of love and joy and peace, hope, meaning, new life, 
It's 12 baskets left over. His provision for our needs is more than enough. He is more than sufficient to meet our spiritual needs and our emotional needs and our physical needs. And this is the point that he wants to drive home in this miracle of multiplication of the loaves and fishes. He himself is the bread of life. Just as we need physical bread to live, so we need the bread he provides, the bread of God's word, the bread who is Jesus himself. But notice also, Jesus wants to involve his disciples in meeting the needs of the crowd. So it was getting pretty late. It was about supper time. The disciples uh, made the perfectly reasonable suggestion to Jesus that maybe he ought to send the people away so that they could go into the neighboring villages and find food, to which Jesus responded, you give them something to eat. Now, okay, so, <laughs> I mean, put yourself in the situation, right? Here you are. I mean, we're talking 5,000 men, not counting the women and the children, Jesus says, you give them something to eat? So they're naturally bewildered. You know, where in the world are we going to gather enough food to feed this crowd? Are you kidding, Lord? We don't have that kind of money. You know that. We have, what do we have, five loaves of bread and two fish? What is that when there are so many mouths to feed? But you see what Jesus is doing? He's trying to um, stretch their faith. He wanted them to be open to what he could do through them. You give them something to eat. He's not scolding them. He simply says, go, you do it. Jesus could have walked the crowd, you know, and and, uh, waved his arms or whatever you do, you know, and he could have multiplied the loaves and fishes all by himself. But he wants to involve his disciples. Again, he wants to stretch their thinking. He wants to increase their faith. Last week we had seen how how Jesus had given the disciples uh, the, the power and the authority to heal the sick and to cast out demons. They had also watched Jesus perform many miracles. And yet they looked helplessly at their meager resources. And all they could see was, well, five loaves and two fish. And so I believe Jesus was, was saying to them, hey, you got to think bigger, boys. you got to think bigger. I'm going to work through you. Trust me. And so he took what the disciples had and used the disciples to distribute the meal. And he wanted them to think not only what he could do, but what he could do through them. Our Lord wants you and me to be open to what he can do through us. He wants us to know that he can perform amazing miracles when we bring him all we have. And the disciples must have been embarrassed, okay? Uh, You know, they took a little bit of an inventory and they found five loaves and two fish. They, They brought that to Jesus. I think they were kind of embarrassed. Again, you know, what is this with so many mouths to feed? But in the Lord's hands, a little can become a lot. 
So it seems to me that the question Jesus is asking us is the same one he asked the disciples. Our Lord looks upon the vast ocean of human need out there, and he asks you and me, how many loaves and fishes do you have? What resources can you put at, at my disposal? What can you give me that I can use to feed empty stomachs and fill hungry hearts? So our Lord is asking you and me to take inventory of our gifts and our abilities and our material and spiritual resources so that they can be marshaled to feed and bless others in his name. But the trouble is when you and I take inventory, our tendency is to say with the disciples, well, Lord, what are these when there's such great need? What are these when there's all that to do? And then the tendency, sadly, is to kind of bury what we have. We say to ourselves, well, why bother? What I have is just a drop in the bucket compared to what is really needed. So that the tendency is almost always to overstate our poverty. And in so doing, we fail to offer it to the Lord. It can happen to us as individuals or as a church When we operate out of a theology of scarcity, lamenting what we don't have, we exhibit our lack of faith, and little is accomplished for the kingdom. We focus on what we can't do instead of what we can do, so we become useless in the hands of God. When we continually lament the poverty of our resources, thinking that what we have in our hands is too little, we are forgetting the power of God. In Old Testament times, the people were complaining to Moses about the lack of variety in their diet. Eating manna day after day after day was getting really old. So they began, the people began to agitate for meat. Moses came to the Lord and said, what am I to do with these people? I mean, come on, you're feeding them, Lord, but they don't like what you're giving them. And so the Lord said to Moses, very well, Give them what they want. Give them meat. And Moses takes quick inventory uh, of his food supply, and they have some herds and flocks and so on, but he pleads poverty. Look, Lord, I've got over 600,000 people to feed, and you say to give them meat? Would they have enough of all our flocks and all our herds were slaughtered for them? Is there enough fish in all the seed to feed the, the people? You've got to be kidding. Clearly, Lord, we don't have enough. And the Lord's reply is instructive. Is the Lord's arm too short? Stand back and watch me make a lot of a little. And the Lord gave them plenty of meat, just as he said. So what material uh, gifts, resources do you and I have that can be used for the Lord's work of caring for and feeding others, physically and spiritually, right? Does it seem too small and too insignificant? But you have to understand that in the hands of the Lord, a little can become a lot. He can work somehow he can work a multiplication, a miracle of multiplication. 
you and I can be like those disciples of old, operating out of a theology of scarcity, saying, what are these when there are so many? Or we can operate under a theology of abundance, and we can say, here you go, Lord, take this and multiply it, would you? We know you can. So Jesus instructed the people to sit down in organized fashion, and he proceeded to multiply the loaves and the fishes. So how did he do that? There are some people who say that that someone's generosity in giving up the loaves and the fishes created the miracle of influence, so that when the people saw this person's generosity, everyone brought out their own hidden snack and began to share it with everybody else. Well, you know what? Um, Generosity and sharing is certainly a biblical value, but it's, it's kind of a silly interpretation that tries to rationalize the miraculous away. The fact is, Jesus performed a miracle. He multiplied the loaves and the fishes, and all the people were fed. If Jesus is the Lord of creation, if Jesus is the Son of God, I see no reason why he couldn't do that. As I say, the gospel writers were so impressed by this stupendous event that they included it in all the gospels. Only miracle to make it. Clearly, they thought that something really special happened that day. Really special. All were fed. And Mark says that there were 12 basketfuls, big basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish left. A super abundance of leftovers. The Lord is more than sufficient to provide for our needs. He will provide for us. But he also wants to use you and me to extend his blessings to others. So let's be open to what he can do through us. For if you and I offer him what we have, all we have, even if it seems small or insignificant, in the Lord's hands, a little can become a lot. Let's pray together. Grace God, what an amazing event. Truly, you are the bread of life. We want to feed on you, Lord. You are the answer to our hungry hearts. You give us meaning and purpose, new life, abundant life. And Lord, so therefore help us to see, to, to appreciate the, those abundant blessings that you've given us. And Lord, may we share them. Put them in your hands, as it were, that you might work the miracle of multiplication. That your kingdom may continue to grow. Lord, work in and through us to your glory, to your honor. Thank you for your compassion for your patience with us, and for your desire to meet our very deep needs. We give ourselves anew to you this day. Feed us with your bread of life. Amen.